You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We actually have a signing to get to today. We're going to talk about some of the players the Packers didn't sign as well a little bit later in the show, but we have to start with the move that they made as a lot of people were having dinner or getting ready to have dinner, I think. And while we don't have the details of the contract yet, on Tuesday, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network reported the Packers were going to sign former Panthers receiver and 2019 Indianapolis Colt Devin Funches coming off a season where he broke his collarbone, was only able to play in the one game. In that one game, though, by the way, five targets and three catches before breaking that collarbone. He had signed a $10 million deal with the Colts. He had been a legitimately coveted player coming off of his time with the Carolina Panthers. He'd been a breakout player as a rookie, a 21-year-old. In just five starts, had 31 catches, 473 yards, and five touchdowns. His real breakout in terms of frontline production was that 2017 season. 63 catches, 870 yards, and eight touchdowns. Was not quite as productive in 2018. And then in 2019, had this injury that prevented him from, from really being full go. As our friend Ross Uglum over at Packer Report pointed out, he is 25 years old and has a 60-plus, 800-plus, eight-touchdown season. He is the only receiver currently on the Packers roster not named Devontae Adams who can say that. And in fact, if you go back just a few years ago and look at what Pro Football Focus said about Devin Funches, and, and there are plenty of things that we can say, but this is just one data point, right? Back in 2017, the last time we saw Funches play a full season, he finished with the 40th best grade among receivers with at least 10 targets. Now, that's according to Pro Football Focus. Ahead of guys like Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, Odell Beckham Jr., T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, and Jordy Nelson. Now, the next year, 2018, not nearly as good. And then signs this big deal on a one-year contract, a prove-it deal with the Colts, a team that needed to spend some money. It was a flyer, but he was going to become a legitimate part of the Colts' offense, a, a real number two option, and I don't think he's coming to Green Bay as that. That's not what this is. But considering that Tom Silverstein speculated on Twitter yesterday that this was going to be for a minimum-type salary, and you're talking about a million dollars. 
on the same day when Robbie Anderson and Brashad Perriman sign big deals for secondary receivers, Devin Funches can play to a contract six, seven, eight million dollars. He could have played to that $10 million contract that he got last year. He didn't get the opportunity to. And he's not an injury-prone player. In fact, he played 16, 15, 16, and 14 games his first four years in the league. The collarbone injury is a fluke. Now, what is the role for the Packers? And this is critical. Is he now receiver two? I don't think so. This is more about churning the back end of the roster. Last year, Geronimo Allison had to play 59.3% of snaps. He's not coming back. Jake Kumaro had to play 30% of snaps. Devin Funches is a better player. He's also 25, going to soon to be 26. He's two years younger than Jake Kumaro. So even if the Packers go into the NFL draft, they take a, a receiver with a high pick, and they think Alan Lazard is better, to have someone like Devin Funches, a guy who has started legitimate games for a real NFL team. I mean, we're not not some joke team, not some team out there just slapping players together. Marty Herney is one of the better GMs in football. Ron Rivera is a no-nonsense kind of coach, a respected guy, and Devin Funches was a featured part of their offense. If he comes in and just gives you what Geronimo Allison was supposed to give the Packers last year, that's a huge upgrade at receiver, even if it's not the kind of upgrade that fans and media have been talking about. Another thing here, Green Bay last year played 11 personnel, so three receivers, just 42% of the time, according to Sharp Football Stats. So if they are using well over 50%, in two receivers or fewer, then someone like Funches is not going to be on the field as much. Al Lazard is a better player. And we can get into this a little bit later with the Robbie Anderson discussion, but Al Lazard was good last year. And he was better than the last time we saw Funches playing, which was 2018. The version of Al Lazard we saw last year was better than that guy. He already knows this offense. He already has a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. This is not about finding a new wide receiver, too. It's about replacing Geronimo Allison, who is almost certainly out the door, and who was one of the worst receivers in football last year. And I I hate to say that because Allison has been a consummate professional. He has been a great story as an undrafted free agent out of Illinois, and he earned Aaron Rodgers' trust. He's just not a good player. And again, that sucks because he does seem like a good guy, a good teammate, coaches like him, but on the field, he's just not good enough, was one of the the worst starters full stop in the NFL last season. Look, it gives me no pleasure to say this. It really doesn't. I just have to be honest, and, and the numbers are clear. He was really, really bad last year. And I don't think it reflects who he is as a player all the time. He's coming off a pretty serious injury from the 2018 season. And certainly there's it's a possibility that that affected his play. Devin Funches is better than Geronimo Allison. He's better than Jake Kumaro. He is better, at least, that we've seen for sure in the NFL than Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. This is similar to what happened with Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner. Devin Funches is not a field tilter. He's not a game changer. 
He's not uh, someone that you can come in and be really excited about coming in and just blowing the doors off with his offense. He is a little bit of a, a plotting receiver. Ran that 4-7. Yeah, you can say, okay, at, at the pro day in Michigan, he ran in the four fives, whatever, whatever. He's not a speed guy. Now, all that being said, averages just a shade under 14 yards per catch in his career. They were able to get the ball to him down the field. He can be a solid possession receiver. Now, he is a high-variance player. So, you know, in his career, he only has a catch rate of about 52%. And as a rookie, it was under 50%. In his second year in Carolina, it was under 40%. And, you know, then you're up about 55, 56. The hands are inconsistent. But as a, a roster churn player, he's better than John Wilson. Better than EQ, better than MVS, better than Ben J. Kumaro. So the Packers have Devontae Adams, they have Alan Lazard, and they have a rookie who's going to come in and, and in the first round, second round, third round, come in and be expected to contribute early. We don't know what Equinemius St. Brown is. We don't know what he can provide for this team. And as I've said before about free agents, we don't know what Devin Funches can bring either. But we expect the contract to be minimal. The upside, you know, even if he's only a 35-40 catch a year kind of guy, that's better than what Geronimo Allison had, and he had to play almost 60% of snaps last season. This move makes the Packers better. It makes their roster better than it was last year. If nothing else happens, and the Packers go into the season with Adams, Lazard, and Funchess as their, their top three receivers, They are better than they were to start the season last year at receiver. And that's the thing that matters here. It doesn't matter if he's a game changer. It doesn't matter if he's the difference between winning and losing against San Francisco. This move makes the team better. And to do it for what we expect to be close to no money is a coup for Brian Gutekunst, even if Funchess is not a dynamic player overall. Now, this conversation is related to the conversation that I want to have about these other players that the Packers didn't sign. Because signing Devin Funches also comes with opportunity costs. And the opportunity cost is they didn't sign. They chose to sign Devin Funches, and in doing so, chose to not sign Brashad Perriman and Robbie Anderson, who also signed on Tuesday. Well, Robbie Anderson signed on a two-year, $20 million deal. Brashad Perriman signed on a deal that's going to pay him $8 million in 2020. Listeners of this show, followers of me on Twitter, will tell you, I was one of the few voices out there saying, all of this discussion about Brashad Perriman getting $4 million, $5 million, not happening. It's not happening. If everyone, if all the fans think that Brashad Perriman is the sleeper. They think he is the guy to go after. He is the guy to get four or five million dollars. And if all of the NFL media people are going, hey, why doesn't Brashad Perriman have a deal? You know who I think is a sleeper is Brashad Perriman. Well, this is like in fantasy. When everyone decides there's a sleeper, that player ends up going three rounds sooner than they should, and they're no longer a sleeper. That is the deal Brashad Perriman got. 
I would not have been comfortable giving a $8 million deal to Brashad Perriman. Two years, $8 million? Sure. But not $8 million in 2020. It's just not happening. Now, it's really $6 million with incentives. But still, it's a lot of money to give to a guy who's really never had a good season in the NFL. Now, Robbie Anderson has a defined skill set. And a defined skill set that would go with what the Packers need. They need that take the top off the defense type speed down the field to open up the middle of the field underneath all of those things. That being said, this idea that the Packers made some huge mistake by not signing Robbie Anderson to a $10 million deal is a little silly. Last year, by DVOA, defense adjusted value over average, Alan Lazard was 18th among receivers last year. Robbie Anderson was 52nd. Alan Lazard yards per target 9.67. Robbie Anderson, despite the fact that he is a deep threat receiver, 8.1 yards per target. Alan Lazard catch rate last season, 67.3%. Robbie Anderson, 54.2%. And the percent of catches that resulted in first downs, Alan Lazard, 68.5%. Robbie Anderson, 67.3%. Alan Lazard was a better player last year than Robbie Anderson. Now, the obvious rejoinder is Robbie Anderson played for Adam Gase with Trevor Simeon, Luke Falk, and Sam Darnold. Not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks. On the other hand, if you're going to pay a receiver $10 million, you expect them to produce. And you expect them to produce irrespective of their circumstances. If you're going to pay someone 10 times what you're paying someone like Alan Lazard to be your wide receiver too, because if you're giving Robbie Anderson $10 million, that's what you're doing, then he better be better at any point. Not just 10 times better. He better be better at all than Alan Lazard. Last year, he wasn't. So for whatever you want to say about the circumstances, if he needs everything to be perfect, to be worth that money, guess what? He's not worth that money. Why are you worried about not signing a guy who has never really produced at a high level, who has been the number one option for New York in the past, and they've constantly felt like they needed to upgrade? Last year, for a mid-round pick, to get Robbie Anderson for the rest of the season, it would have been worth it for the Packers to go chase a Super Bowl. This year, given what, the, given the money that they've spent, if your options were Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner, and Devin Funchess, if, and we're extrapolating here what the contract is going to be, you could have those three guys, or you could have Robbie Anderson. The answer is clear. You'd rather have the three players the Packers signed. Even with the injury concerns, even with the risks, you're talking about three players who can contribute, two of them starters. And is Robbie Anderson even a high-value second option? No. He's a very good player at a specific kind of thing the Packers could really use. But Robbie Anderson is really Marquez Valdez-Scantling deluxe. That's what he is. And he's been given opportunities in the Jets' offense to be 
more than that and has never really taken hold of that responsibility for myriad reasons. There's no question in my mind the Packers got the best value of these three moves. And I understand the criticism of, well, at a certain point you need impact players. It's not just about, you know, bargains and values. But when you are building a roster, what you want is the least amount of bad players that you can have. And so the option isn't sign a really good player or sign no one. It seems like that's the the idea sometimes. If the Packers sign Robbie Anderson, then they're scrambling to figure out how they're going to fill these other holes with super cheap options. Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner are off the board. Maybe you have to cut Corey Lindsley, and now you're creating another problem, another downgrade for your team, and what you're getting in return is just not enough value to justify these other costs, these opportunity costs. So if you're getting Anderson or you're getting Perriman, but you're giving up these other opportunities, is that really worth it for your team? My stance on that would be no. It's not worth it. So worrying about, oh, oh, I know there was fan consternation online. Oh, why couldn't they? God, Brian Gutekunst, why didn't you do it? This We could have had this guy for this money and we should have done it. Well, they added a player. Do you feel better now? I mean, there were people in my Twitter mentions earlier in the day complaining that the Packers hadn't signed Taylor Gabriel. And then some of those same people were like, well, Devin Funches sucks. Well, do you want them to sign a veteran or do you not? Because the kinds of players that you're asking them to sign are not going to move the needle. They're just not. And and they're not going to move the needle commensurate to the value that you're, you're paying to get them. Robbie Anderson for the Packers is not a $10 million player. Just not. Brashad Perriman's not an $8 million player. Could Devin Funches be a, a $1 million player? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If he's healthy, he is way more than that. And the market said so. A year ago, when he was coming off a mediocre season, mediocre to bad season for the Panthers, he got $10 million from the Colts on a prove-it deal. Now, they had, to, they had to spend the money and all that stuff, but he was going to be a real part of their offense. He came into camp in shape. This is a former tight end. He slimmed down. He has limbered up. He can run routes. He can get open. Now, is he twitched up? No. Is he a, is he a technician? No. Can he make junk catches? Can he get you nine on third and eight? Can he get you touchdowns in the red zone? Yes. So this is about value. This is about performing to that contract. This is about improving your football team with the opportunities that you have. And one of the things that we talked a lot about two off seasons ago with the Jimmy Graham moves, the Tremont William moves, all that stuff, my big phrase was we can ha- we have to take into account everything that's gone on in the aggregate. All of it together. It all works in concert with one another. And so what you're doing here is you're buying yourself flexibility. You're buying yourself Value. You're buying yourself cap space to extend David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark and maybe Aaron Jones. And you're getting players who can far exceed the capital investment that you've made in them. That is good team building. And yet you're not paying so much that if a player in the draft at the same position comes up that you love, you can't draft them. If the Packers sign and Mike Pinnell was one of the guys 
that I think some Packer fans had their eyes on. He gets also signed on Tuesday. Snacks Harrison is a guy who's still out there. If they sign Snacks Harrison and their free agent hall is just Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner, Devin Funchess, and, and Snacks Harrison, great free agency. Great free agency because the Funchess contract is going to mean almost nothing to your comp pick formula. We already know Kirksey and Wagner mean nothing, and Snacks Harrison is also going to mean nothing no matter what kind of contract he signs. So now you've added players. You've created depth. You've churned that roster. You've improved your team on the margins. And now you've set yourself up to go into the draft to take the most impactful players that you can in that situation. At 30, you can take anyone and feel like, well, if I don't get the offensive tackle I want, I've got a plan in 2020. If I don't get the receiver I want, I've got someone in 2020. If I don't get the defensive lineman I want, I've got someone in 2020. That's the position the Packers have put themselves in, and that is the kind of position you want to be in as you go into the draft as a Super Bowl contender. Speaking of the draft, um, the NFL, according to reports, there were GMs who said, we want to move the draft. We want to move it back. Because teams want the opportunity to talk to these players. They want the opportunity to study them medically. They want the opportunity for them to test. For all the reasons that we talked about yesterday, this lack of information that teams have when they're trying to put together their evaluations, they want the information. And so if, and it sounds like it's the case, we're not going to get OTAs. We're not going to get minicamp. We're not going to get rookie camp. We're not going to get any of these things we normally get in the offseason. Facilities are shut down. It's only essential personnel. Basically, who can keep the lights on and the business moving? Those are the people that stay in these NFL offices. So if that's the case, and it doesn't matter when the people get in the building, maybe it's okay to push the draft back to give everyone the opportunity for this whole coronavirus problem. And it is a problem. I, mean, I, I hope everyone is being serious about this. To give everyone the opportunity to try and let this play out. Maybe we're able to get a therapeutic treatment. Maybe we're able to get testing to the point where we can track people and get them back to work and it's safer to travel. Or maybe teams are able to set up more pro days and get this information. I think what the NFL teams want, or at least what some GMs want, is to give as much time as possible for us to figure this out. I think what the league office wants is for the draft to go on as planned. Because if the, the draft gets pushed out, then the question becomes, okay, are, is it just going to get pushed out indefinitely? Wait and wait and wait. I think the best case for the NFL, and I'm talking about the league as a whole, not just the league office here, is to move forward with the draft as planned. If you want to push it back a week or two, I think that's fine. The NFL is dominating headlines right now because it's the only sport really going. And that means it, it is still generating interest. People are really focused in on what's going on. And that's great for content creators like me, frankly. And it's great for you because we still get to talk about stuff. We still get to focus in on stuff. And, and the draft, you know, Jason Hershorn is going to be on later in the week to talk about Packers prospects and, and players who fit their eye. Don't miss that. But so th this, is, this is the thing for teams. They want to have the time to hone in. If you're able to keep it in April, or let's say you move it a week back, early May, first week in May, even second week in May, 
Now we are talking about stuff that's going on six, eight weeks from now. Could we be in a position at that point, have rapid testing, you quarantine players, you still move forward with some mini camps, you're able to get travel back up and running, and maybe we have a more normal off-season process at that point. Now, the counter to that is, if you have the draft in April, that all that stuff can all still happen. The likelihood of, of the travel restrictions being lifted, of us making major breakthroughs in the next week, two weeks, three weeks, not very high. We're a month out from this thing now. A month from right now, theoretically, we'd be drafting. And so I don't, I don't think it makes sense to say, well, let's push it back two weeks because that's not really going to help. You push it back into June, July, now all of a sudden you're really behind the eight ball. As we talked about yesterday, it would really be great for these teams to have a chance to get these guys in their system to learn the playbook. If they're going to be behind, give them as much time as possible to learn the plays, to learn the concepts, to learn the verbiage. And then if we have to have a truncated preseason and and training camp, then teams aren't so far behind. I think that's the best way to handle this. But look, we'll see. The NFL has struggled to make these decisions in the past. So we'll find out. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. And as I said, Jason Hirshhorn is going to be here on Friday to talk about Packers prospects. That's what we're going to be trying to ID. I wrote about some of that for the receivers yesterday. We talked about it on the show, but... I also wrote about a Frackney Packing Company. I put together a list of guys. We're going to do with offensive tackle and, and some of the other positions where the Packers have some clear favorites so that we can get a list of players who you can start identifying. I know a lot of people are doing those draft network mocks and, and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm going to try and make it easier for you to identify players that actually fit. I see a lot of, of listeners, fans, followers, all that stuff doing mock drafts and drafting players who just have no chance of being Green Bay Packers because they, they are so far outside the model of what Green Bay wants. Not every player is going to fit into that model, but most of them are. So it's good to have an explication of that model and find a list of guys that they're likely to zero in on. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.